Good morning, everybody. Let's start the show. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. It is Monday, uh, January something. I don't know. Is it January 9th? I need to look at my phone. I don't know. It doesn't. Yeah, it's January 9th. And uh, this is just you in number 169, I think. And hello. Hope you are having a great day. I am having a great morning so far, except for that my camera is still doing that stuttering thing that it was doing last Friday. And I I guess the only thing I can do is reinstall OBS because no matter what I do, it does this thing where it stutters. So if you're watching the stream and you're noticing that I'm kind of freezing up like that, it's not on your end. It's all on my end. I was messing with it just now. I can't figure it out. Um, <laughs> Brian, I see that comment. You look like the dude from Defected. Uh, guys, I hope you're having a good one. I hope you had a great weekend. I had a fantastic weekend. It was awesome. Um, did lots of family activities that were a lot of fun and created moments that, I mean, that's just beautiful moments with me and my kids that I really, really enjoyed. Teach, I was um, teaching my three-year-old to ride a bike. So... It was just great. It was just great. I'm still, I'm really excited to go back to a, uh, got this big church parking lot near our house. And I'm look, I'm really looking forward to taking him back and helping him ride again. He was so exhausted. We were there for like, I don't know, like an hour, hour and a half. And he was so exhausted. We got home and we were home for like 
an hour before he fell as- he fell asleep on the floor. Like he just like the kid just collapsed and and fell asleep. We uh we wore him out. Oh, it was so good. Um, hope you had a great weekend. And uh, yeah, I am the guy from Defected. And if you missed it, Burning Bright and I did an episode of Defected last night, episode number nine. It's right here on Badlands Media on Rumble. And as you can see, Rumble did an update recently. I think it was at the end of last week. They deployed it on Friday. Looking pretty good. Looking pretty good, I gotta say. Um, it's not a major, major update, but it just changed the feel of Rumble a little bit, made it look a little bit more fresh, a little more clean. I like it. Um, so we had an episode of Defected last night that I gotta say was pretty dang good. And if you're interested in um and me and Burning Bright fleshing things out together, I do recommend it. Um, it's over on Badlands Media here on Rumble. Thank you to everybody who has hit this thumbs up button. If you enjoy the work that I do, that other Badlands Media creators do, or any creator here on Rumble, hitting that thumbs up helps us out a lot because it helps you make this right here, the leaderboard. Um, and it's been awesome to see shows like mine and other Badlands shows appear in the top 50 shows on Rumble. And it's not based on views. It's based on you guys hitting the thumbs up. So thank you very much for all your support um, doing that. All right. Today, I'm going to have to talk to you about some of the same things as last night. Because I need to tell my audience here um, that I got some stuff wrong last week. uh, As you've probably figured out. Um, I got some stuff way wrong. And that's okay. Um, We get stuff wrong all the time, and I got stuff wrong. I got some things right, uh, but I definitely got some things wrong, and I'm pretty happy about it. I'm I'm rather I'm rather giddy about it. So we're going to talk about that today. And um, let's see what else we got. Um, I don't need where what the world. I'm on the wrong. That's not that's last week. Here we go. Here we go. Um, so we're going to talk about that and we're going to talk about what we actually got out of the house investigations. Uh, some stuff I noticed that's coming up that I'm pretty excited about, um, real quick before people start asking me about it. Cause I know it's coming. I already see people talking about it on social media this morning. This is the morning where we're supposed we're supposed to hear about whether or not the Brunson case was accepted. I know people aren't happy with my opinion of the Brunson case and they're not happy with what I think, uh, it's going to happen with it. It hasn't been updated yet here on the site. Here's the docket for the Brunson case at the Supreme court. It hasn't been updated here, but I'm telling you it's going to be dismissed guys. So like stop getting your hopes up. Um, there is this post from SCOTUS blog that the judges are going to issue um, orders or pending petitions this morning at 9.30 a.m., which is just past. Um, nowhere in here does it mention the Brunson case. Now, there's people commenting about the Brunson case. But like right here, this stream of oral arguments, there's not going to be the Brunson case here. Like, I'm just I'm just telling you guys, like, I'm just telling you. I'm sorry to tell you that, but yeah. So 
let's talk about this speakership thing. Thank you. It's just me for the rumble rant. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed last night talking to BB. Um, in fact, he kept me up way too late last night because after the show was over, we kept talking, um, which is kind of crazy. Got like, if you, you probably don't know this, but burning bright and I do like message, message each other a little bit during the week, but like very little. Um, so when we get together on defected, like we kind of, we've kind of developed like this works well for us where we just come and we're, we're talking about things from a, you know, we're fresh. We haven't worked it out between each other. What we're going to talk about. We're just like, yeah, these are the topics. And then we both are giving our perspective, um, to one another and, I think that gives it that make that helps it be like this really natural conversation between Burning Bright and I. Um, anyway, it's it's really cool. So anyway, after the show last night, we were still hyped and we talked for like an hour or so more. Um, oh, it was a good show. All right, so the speakership. Um, and actually, let me go. I know my screen's going to stutter, but let me go over here to full screen. Um. So I got some stuff wrong last week, as you guys have noticed. I also got some stuff right. And I don't think that's too dissimilar from everybody else. But the difference is I I put myself out there. Um, And uh, everybody was aware of just how wrong I was, and they let me know about it. Um, But going into the speakership battle earlier last week, I knew the whole time that McCarthy was going to be the speaker. Like there was never any doubt. And the reason there wasn't any doubt is because he's Trump's pick. That's who Trump's want. That's who Trump wants. And Trump runs the Republican party. And because there wasn't a viable alternative, the closest thing to a viable alternative of someone who was going to be speaker was Hakeem Jeffries. So there was either going to be Hakeem Jeffries or it was going to be, McCarthy. That's it. That's that's the only two things that could have um could have happened. And everybody was getting wrapped up on this stuff and I was like, "Man, like y'all are getting y'all are getting carried away thinking that it's going to be um Jordan or it's going to be Biggs or it's going to be someone else." Like I under I like those people. And I understand why everybody else likes those people. And I understand why you would want them to be speaker, but they simply don't have the vote. So why are we, why are we letting ourselves believe otherwise and getting wrapped up into a narrative that it was possible for it to be someone else? And then, um, Tuesday came and they had the arguments and what really threw me off was what really threw me off is that people were rooting for the defeat of Trump's pick, who was McCarthy and Gates saying that 
it's either going to be we're never saying that it's never McCarthy and I don't care if Hakeem Jeffries is speaker. I'm going to defeat McCarthy, which when I heard that, I got to admit, I heard that as I'm going to defeat Trump's pick. And that's what really made me sus of the whole thing. And then on Tuesday night, I started seeing the the exact same conservative incorporated influencer accounts who were bashing Trump during the midterms, um, that week of the midterms voting and saying that Trump uh, no longer has the influence he used to have. It's time for Trump to bow out. We need to move on to DeSantis. Trump was great, but he made a lot of mistakes, blah, blah, blah. I mean, remember right there after, right there on the day of the midterm elections and then for days afterward, we remember we saw who was fake MAGA. Those same accounts, those same people were seizing on this speakership battle and were using it to make the same argument again. That Trump is done. Trump isn't as influential as he used to be. He shouldn't have. He make, keeps making these mistakes with people. And so I was like, man, I am not trusting this. And at the same time, as I was saying that I'm not for this, I don't think it's a good idea for them to sink McCarthy. Um, Not because I like McCarthy, not because I'm a McCarthy fan, but because you got to have you got to be for something. They're telling us what they're against, but they got to be for something. Um, and I had people messaging me all last week saying, this is kayfabe, Kyle. You're the kayfabe guy. Can't you figure out that this is kayfabe? But what most of them meant, I can't say that every single one of them meant this, but most of them meant that Trump doesn't actually want McCarthy. Most of the people that were messaging me and telling me it was kayfabe were telling me they were saying that Trump was engaging in kayfabe and that he really didn't want McCarthy. And I knew that wasn't true. I knew that Trump actually did want McCarthy. And I was just um, like, I, I saw people getting emotional and like, you know, there's like so many people just posting F McCarthy over and over again and, and similar and I was like, guys, this is, it's going to be McCarthy. But as the week progressed, as the week progressed, I was looking at, or I was watching Badlands Media. And as I was watching Badlands Media, I started thinking, okay, you guys are, you guys are bringing me over to the, the, the usefulness of this of this process of blocking McCarthy for now and getting these concessions. And then there would be some concessions granted and they would be good ones and then they would still block McCarthy. And then there'd be some more concessions granted and they'd still block McCarthy. And I was getting a little bit frustrated because like, okay, what point do you guys decide that there's enough concessions that have been made? Um, but I was watching that and I was thinking that's pretty is going pretty good. But at some point they're going to have to confirm McCarthy. And Trump came out on Thursday and said, this is a good process. We're getting good things done. This is going to be good for America. This uh, this battle that's happening in the GOP. And 
I am standing by McCarthy, but it's good that Republicans are standing up in the House and they're getting a better deal out of it or whatever. I'm just I'm paraphrasing what he said, but that's that was the point of it. So I was like, okay, this is uh if Trump if Trump wanted to end this, I remember thinking on Thursday, if Trump wanted to end this whole process, he could. If he wanted these MAGA Republicans to stop blocking his pick for speaker, he could. But he doesn't. And he's he's standing he's standing by. He's he's like, this is a good process. I still want McCarthy, but this is good. So that made me feel a lot better. And when Friday came, I was finally on board with, all right, this has been a good thing. And I was enjoying Badlands Media. And I went on Badlands Media with John and CanCon. And uh, CanCon was only there for a short time. I wish he had been there more, but he was traveling. And Chris Paul was there. Um and we had a great discussion and watching it all fold out that night. By the time we got to Friday night, I was like, man, this is brilliant. And I went into this more deeply last night on defected with burning bright. You really should watch it if you want a fuller explanation of everything. Uh, but by Trump endorsing McCarthy, he prevented Democrats for voting for him because no Democrat was going to vote for Trump's pick which made McCarthy, it put him in the position where he was forced. He was in this corner where he wasn't going to get support from Democrats to be confirmed as speaker. But he had to get these MAGA Republicans to vote for him or vote present, which is what they ended up doing, to lower the denominator so he could get the majority. And they got every, they got like every concession out of him that they needed. They got tons of concessions that are super important and ended up being this great deal. And it turns out that even though Matt Gates threw me off with his commentary, he was basically doing the classic negotiation technique of I want everything or I walk like just asking for way more than was possible in order to negotiate down and get as many concessions as he could. I mean, it was, it was brilliant. It, it was art. Yeah. Paul, uh, Paula, it was art of the deal. It was absolutely art of the deal. Um, and looking back on it, it's pretty obvious that that was what was going on. Um, and I don't want to flesh out everything I mentioned last night, but at the end of it, I was thinking, you know what, everybody who was bashing MTG this week, of which there were many people who st- who were MAGA who started who started bashing MTG. But everybody that was bashing bashing MTG was wrong. She was with Trump the entire time. She was backing Trump's pick the entire time. And she was playing the role that she needed to play the entire time. And everybody who was bashing Gates, including me, was wrong. Because Gates was playing the role that he needed to play the entire time. Yeah, he said some things that were insulting to Trump. And yeah, he was trying to sink Trump's pick, but he was doing that for the purpose of negotiation. And everybody who was bashing this showdown, including me, was wrong. 
because the negotiation that in the showdown that we watched happen on the on the floor resulted in a much better deal for Republicans, for the House, me- all the House members, really. It's a better deal for everybody. And it's, it's a better it's our House is better. The Republican Party is better and the House is going to going to be better. It's going to function better. It's going to function truer to what it was originally set up to be. Not perfect, but better. A lot better. And everybody who was bashing Trump, of which there were many, and many of them, they were the same people who were bashing him during the midterms and uh, right after the midterms. They were wrong, too. But at the same time, everybody who was praising MTG was right, and everybody who was praising Gates and the group who were opposing McCarthy were, were right. Everybody who was praising this showdown was right. And everyone who trusted Trump was right. So I really feel like it's this unique situation where the kayfabe was so good. The negotiating tactics were so good that all of us got some things right and some things wrong. And that makes for a really good movie. That makes for a really good spectacle. That makes for great just theater. And I'm not trying to convince you that every single thing about it was staged, but a lot of it was staged. A lot of it was a planned, it was an op. It was absolutely an op to give cover to certain people so they could negotiate for certain things in order to move the house in the direction that Trump wanted it to move in. And now we have McCarthy who I agree HQ lion McCarthy was in on it the entire time, the entire time. And McCarthy now being the speaker, he's going to, he's going to be, He's going to be held on this this really short leash to where one person can can uh, cause a motion to vacate, which I'm going to explain here in a little bit. And if things go south, if things don't go well, he can also be the object of, of that we blame. Republicans can run against McCarthy here in two years. In 2024, they can say, yeah, we have McCarthy as speaker, but he wasn't as good as we needed him to be. We need to elect so-and-so, and we need to get a bunch of MAGA Republicans in there so that we can have a better speaker than McCarthy has been. McCarthy also could do a great job. We'll find out. But if he doesn't, I expect a whole bunch of America First Republicans are going to run against him. They're going to make him a talking point of their campaigns and argue that's why MAGA needs to turn out in 2024 and vote for these America First Republicans so that we can elect someone better than McCarthy as Speaker next go-round. It's pretty amazing. It's it's pretty amazing. Um, I want to make the case to you guys. Hold on just a moment. Yeah, I was, uh, I'm looking at the Brunson thing. I saw that it's denied. As I As I've been telling y'all, it would be. There's cert denied, and if you scroll down, Brunson is right in here somewhere. Let me hit Control-F. There we go. 
Brunson denied. No surprise there. It's not a surprise. So I need to grab. I need to grab something. Oh, that's the wrong screen. What am I doing there? I need to grab something over here. Just a moment. Just a moment. Not that I want. Yes, I'm going to want this. This and this. Just a moment, just a moment. There it is. There it is. This is what I want. A lot of people were playing a clip of McCarthy bashing Trump from right after Jan- January 6th, and they were using that to uh, to make the argument that McCarthy isn't actually for Trump and Trump is engaging in kayfabe. He doesn't actually support McCarthy. He knows he's a swamp monster. He knows he's a deep state snake and blah, blah, blah. But they were ignoring the fact that on January 28th, 2021, shortly after that, McCarthy visited Trump at Mar-a-Lago. And he was, as far as I know, the first politician, elected representative to visit Trump at Mar-a-Lago after January 6th, after January 20th. He was the first one. And I remember when Trump posted this picture. And Trump put out this statement. It's one of his first statements, if not the first statement he ever put out through his website. I don't remember if he put one out before this, but it was one of the first. And it read, the meeting between President Donald J. Trump and House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy at Mar-a-Lago, Palm Beach, Florida, was a very good and cordial one. They discussed many topics. Number one of which was taking back the House in 2022. Well, we did that, didn't we? Check. Mission accomplished on that. President Trump's popularity has never been stronger than it is today, and his endorsement means more than perhaps any endorsement at any time. Facts. President Trump has agreed to work with Leader McCarthy on helping the Republican Party to become a majority. Oh, check that out. Trump and McCarthy working together. Check. In order to what? Become a majority in the House. Well, they did that. They worked very well together in the last election and picked up at least 15 seats when most predicted it would be the opposite. They will do so again. Another issue was that people kept talking about McCarthy having a losing record where when the facts were that the House majority, the Republicans had grew their majority in the House. So it didn't make sense to say this guy is nothing but a loser. He just keeps losing seats. No, he won us some seats. Actually, before I get to that, I want to grab. I want to make the point that McCarthy didn't actually win on Friday night. 
that he didn't actually it wasn't actually McCarthy who did the winning, right? It was Trump who did the winning. Trump won. And the House Freedom Caucus won. McCarthy didn't win. I mean, he's he's speaker. But without Trump's endorsement, he wouldn't have gotten across the line. I don't think anyway. And the House Freedom Caucus won big time because they got pretty much everything they wanted out of McCarthy. And then in the end, didn't even vote for him. They just voted present. And the whole thing is it results in a big night for America. It results in a big win for America and for the GOP. And as Richard Gunnell commented, Donald Trump still runs the Republican Party. I mean, it's just a fact. Donald Trump runs the Republican Party. And it was made clear to the world that he does during this moment where MTG was handing her phone to Rosendale to show that Donald Trump was calling her. And I went into this last night on Defected. The speaker option is highlighted right there. (laughs) I think that's a really nice touch. This photo is absolutely staged. A professional photographer up in like the galley or whatever it's called took this picture when Trump called. This moment right here is the same moment where there was the Gates and McCarthy were arguing. This was during the part where they were looking like they were going to adjourn, but they weren't going to adjourn. And then you had Rogers come over and there was a little bit of a a struggle over there. Things got kind of physical. It was at that moment that DJT was on the phone with MTG and she was handing the phone to Rosendale and they staged this photo. And then that photographer or somebody got that photo to MTG's people. And if you look, she posted this photo at 12.01 a.m. on January 7th minute after midnight. And then she posted it on true social at 1202. And then they confirmed McCarthy and you can be a, I don't care if you're a, a Q drop person or not. It doesn't really matter to me whether or not you personally think the Q drops are significant. They are a thing. They exist. Um, what they mean to you is up to you, but it's a five-year Delta exactly on January 7th, 2018 was this post. And the date that McCarthy was confirmed as speaker was January 7th, 2023, exactly five years later. That makes the date one seven. So 17 Q being the 17th letter of the alphabet. Good. Virginia Congressman who had voted to oppose McCarthy Ended up voting for him. McCarthy wins, and he won in the 15th round of ballots. It was the 15th ballot. And as I've said before, when it comes to the drops, I look for three points of contact. I look for three things to connect it. That way I don't make too many, I don't make big leaps. 
and connect things that don't deserve to be connected. So I look for date, time, keywords, names, uh, context, theme. Just I try to find three things where I can be like, okay, this connects. That way I avoid an overreach. And right here you have the date. It's the same date. Carthy was confirmed on January 7th, 2023, exactly five years to the day. Good is one of the congressmen who flipped his vote to McCarthy. It was a win. And it happened in the 15th in the 15th round. In my opinion, this drop combined with this photo combined with everything that we saw played out last night tells you that this was an operation that was planned. And it went exactly how Trump wanted it to go. And also Trump tells you (laughs) that it went how he wanted it to go. The speaker selection process, as crazy as it may seem, has made it all much bigger and more important than if it was done the more conventional way. Congratulations to Kevin McCarthy and our great Republican Party. It's pretty awesome. And I like what I like what Von Hitch said here. He wrote so much for everyone's fantasy football of Trump being speaker. That never made sense. In reality, Trump ran the game and got what he wanted. In that process, he showed America and sent a signal that the Uniparty is now going to have to bargain with America first MAGA patriots or MAGA candidates. The Uniparty was put on notice during this process. This was the art of the deal. So I learned something from all of this. And while I feel my skepticism of it was reasonable, my misgivings were reasonable. um, I'm really glad I was wrong. I'm so glad. And I'm really thankful for the pro I'm thankful for everybody involved and how it played out. Um, yeah. What a week. What an awesome beginning to the year 2023. Um, thank you for the rumble rant, Sammy, the squirrel firing up a Romeo and Julieta house of Montag Robusto in your, in your honor. Buy one for yourself. It is great, man. Um, House of Montague. Hey, yeah, that sounds that sounds excellent. I need a cigar. After I should have gotten a cigar this past uh this past weekend, but I didn't manage to go by the store. Um Brogent says last week on Twitter was so much fun. Left, right, unit party, deep state, fake MAGA were all talking shit. They were. MTG phone confirmation let them all know Trump is in full control. It crushed all their ro- momentum. Um Reed DeSantis. Yeah. Yeah, it did. It made so many of them look like fools. G Shaver 53, thank you very much for that big rumble rant. Love the show and all the amazing analysis that you offer to the community. It's encouraging to know that you are just human and you even struggle to figure everything out. I do I am just human. I am absolutely just human. <laughs> uh just just figuring just trying to figure this stuff out, man. Um, 
And when I get it wrong, I get it wrong. And I got to own it. I got to own that. I got some things wrong last week and I'm really happy about it. Honestly, I'm really happy about it. They negotiated a better deal for the GOP credit where it's due. Somebody, I like that Deb called me. This was like right on January 6th, as you can see, as things were winding down. Uh, Deb Cerna said, you need to mention that if this happens, this was right before McCarthy got in and stuff and the better deal. She messaged me or commented to me on Twitter and says, if it happens, it's because the 20 held strong. She was right. The 20 R's have neg- successfully negotiated a better deal, better deal for the whole of the GOP credit where it's due. All right. Yeah. And, uh, R Terrell, that is right. Brunson petition has been denied. I told y'all that that was what was going to happen. And I really wish people would stop getting their hopes up and things that don't really make Anyway, I'm, I'm going to, I've said enough. I've said, I've said enough about Brunson. Not going to, not going to do. And I told you so tour. Um, all right, let me set this up right here because I need those. And uh here, let's have let's have a laugh for a moment. The the um the bad lip reading Twitter account has been phenomenal throughout this thing. And that moment where um McCarthy and Gates were getting into a little bit of an argument, this this bad lip reading edition right here is is hilarious. On just a moment, get that, get the audio right. All right, son. What does it go for, Bill? Can you say it? Well, who knows? A really rich doctor said you were a bummer, and I think you don't know algebra. No, we're talking science, bud. The science of what? Is that a tiger? One of your friends promised me I could flick you in your face. Absolutely, you may not do that. Hit him in his cringy smirk, for real. Say any cereal name. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. You're like people in the 12th century. Why'd he say it like that? You're a formulated pickle popper. He's a storm cloud. I don't like you, dude. And there's a tiger. That's it. You two guys sent the tiger. What? I didn't know. Not me. What? I mean, Tiger. That's just, I mean, that is reprehensible. Okay, yeah. Okay, Brad, I'm a horrible person. Brad, I'll report you to Nadine. I just want your leg bones to be okay. I brought the tiger. Really, you got somebody on the organ now? Hey, man, you're gonna pay for dinner. You're gonna pay for no. Absolutely brilliant. This I I hope this bad lip reading account keeps this up and keeps doing these uh for everything that happens in the house because they've they've been hysterical this whole week. Um this one is definitely one of my favorites. Uh I I was playing it for my family last night who has no idea what was going on. My family wasn't paying any attention to this speakership battle. They thought it was hilarious. Oh my gosh, man. Rogers coming in at the last moment. Hey man, you're going to pay for dinner. Like, it's just so funny. Golly. Uh, I want him to continue. This is, this is high quality content. Um, 
<laughs> so UK Neil, great follow on True Social and on Twitter. So for those still bawling the tears over McCarthy becoming House Speaker, feel free to go back and read from July 2021. This also coincides with Just Human's post earlier regarding Trump and McCarthy meeting earlier that year. I showed you that. And this is it right here. I can close this. Back July 15th, 2021, Trump and McCarthy met at Trump's um, golf course, Bedminster, right as the J6 committee was starting, was going to get started. And let me zoom this in a little bit for y'all. House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy met with Donald Trump on Thursday at the former president's Bedminster, New Jersey golf club as the California Republican is considering which members of his conference to appoint to a special committee tasked with investigating the deadly January 6th riot at the Capitol. Now remember, McCarthy could have done a lot to support the January 6th committee. He didn't do it, guys. If McCarthy was uniparty, if he was swamp, if he was working against Trump, why didn't he fully back the January 6th committee? It's a fair, it's a fair question. In a statement after the meeting, McCarthy said he and Trump had a quote productive conversation regarding House Republicans record fundraising, upcoming congressional special elections, and the latest work being carried out to target vulnerable Democrats. The meeting came the day after the select committee and investigating the Capitol riot said it was to hold its first public hearing on July 27th. McCarthy's McCarthy's trip to Bedminster also coincided with a series of new revelations this week surrounding Trump's final days in office, blah, blah, blah. The timing of Trump meeting shows McCarthy remains loyal to the former president. Sources say his picks for the committee will likely be supporters and defenders of Trump. It is expected the GOP leader will avoid controversial firebrands like Gates and Green in part because House Speaker Nancy Pelosi reserves the right to veto his picks. And remember, they ended up not putting any of his picks on. He ended up pulling them because he couldn't get the people in there that he wanted. Um, McCarthy previously met with Trump in Mar-a-Lago on January 27th after initially being critical of the former president's handling of the January 6th insurrection. McCarthy has since joined many members of his conference in trying to move on and downplay the insurrection and its aftermath. And I found more on Trump and McCarthy working together this past summer, also in July, this past, that that was from July, 2021, July of this year, Trump and McCarthy both appeared at the America first agenda summit um, in Las Vegas. And the, the full, it's like 10 hours long, all these speakers that were there. And Trump gave a great speech at it, which is it's fairly typical Trump speech from that time period where he was talking about how things are going, things are going so wrong with the Biden administration and for the country. And he was listing off all the things very similar to some of the rally speeches we heard between July and October of last year or yeah, of last year now. But right before here's Trump. OK, right before Trump speaks, who was there? Kevin McCarthy and Newt Gingrich. And Kevin McCarthy, I listened to his segment, and it was good. He laid out a vision for the Republican Party going forward, which matched Trump's vision. Now, I'm not trying to defend McCarthy and try and tell you that actually, oh my gosh, there is a, 
There is Natalia Trumpo right there. Natalia Trumpo, I don't know if you're watching today, but I see you right there. Um, I'm not trying to tell you that McCarthy is great and he's I'm not trying to defend him. I'm not trying to tell you that he's um, actually America first. I don't really think he is. I think he's I think he's a California Republican, which means he's a moderate. But he knows which way the wind blows. And he knows that Trump is the leader of the party. And I think he has enough agreements with Trump that they can work together and have been working together this entire time. And I think, like I said on the show Friday, that for a lot of people, McCarthy has come to be he's come to represent all the things that they don't like about DC and they've take a lot of people have taken everything they don't like about DC and they've decided to assign blame for it to McCarthy as if he's a, he's part of it. And I'm sure he is part of some of it, but in doing that, they have obscured who McCarthy actually is and what he's been doing with Trump over the past two years. And they've kind of, they've obscured that from their vision and have only been willing to see him as a uniparty swamp monster. And they're still stuck to that today. There's a lot of people who, despite it being incredibly obvious that McCarthy is who Trump wants and that this all worked out exactly how Trump wanted it to are mad. The black pills are being dispensed all over the place from conservative incorporated because they think that somehow this whole thing was bad because McCarthy ended up being speaker, even though they got the concessions that they wanted. And I think that's an emotionally driven take. Um, I think that, I think it's a take that only is, I think it's a, it's a, it's an assessment that is leaving out a whole bunch of math that needs to be included. Um, a whole bunch of data points that need to be included. So these guys, I'm telling you, these guys have been working together for a long time and we got some really good stuff. We got some really good stuff. and I'd like to tell you about it. RL Skeeter, thank you very much for the Rumble rant. They say, what, Kyle, what are your thoughts about Carrie Lake and her next step? There was news about something big coming up in Arizona. I I haven't checked into the latest about um, Carrie Lake and what's going on with her. Um, I I like um, I like Carrie Lake's lawsuit a lot, and um. I like Carrie Lake's lawsuit a lot, and I think it, I think it's going to do well. I don't know that it's going to get the remedy sought, but that's a well put together lawsuit. Um, but I'm not I'm not up to speed on the latest happenings with it. So I need I need to I need to catch up on Carrie Lake news. Just to be honest with you, all right. From West Coast News and Discussion, who I'm not familiar with on Telegram, but this is based off a PDF which is available right here. Um, I think this is the, yeah, this is the same one we pulled up on the show on Friday night. Um, 
Here are the bullet points of it. Changing to standing rules. A single single congressperson can act to remove speaker if he goes back on his word or policy agenda. And I'm going to tell you how that works here in just a minute. No more omnibus bills dropped in the dead of night before a vote. Bills must be single issue and allow at least 72 hours to read them. That's good. That's very good. I, I do think that a little bit of... A little bit of people getting upset about how they don't have time to read the bill. It's a little bit of an exaggeration because the bill's in discussion, usually, not all the time, the bill's in discussion, everybody's getting pieces of it or their clerks are getting pieces of it at a time. So by the t- by when it eventually becomes one big bill and it's put to a vote, they have read much of it. It's been this ongoing thing as they're developing the bill, but still... It's good for them to put a bill put a bill forth so at least the public can read the whole thing. I think that's to me that's more the point. Not no so much the representatives have seventy two hours to read it. To me, it's more so that we have seventy two hours to read it and we can we can call in, message, whatever to tell them don't vote for this shit. COVID mandates will be ended, including funding for them. No more increases on the debt ceiling. Restoration of requirement for a three-fifths supermajority to vote on tax increases. Reinstatement of the Holman Rule, which allows for the reduction of salary or firing of specific federal employees or cut a specific program. Authorization of funds to cover expenses for resolving contested elections. Bills to be up for vote. Development of a plan to increase oil and gas production in the U.S. Rescind funding for the 87,000 new IRS agents. Authorization of the Secretary of Homeland Security to suspend the entry of aliens. Not the space kind, the illegal border crossing kind. Prohibition of draining the Strategic Petroleum Reserve and selling it to China and others. Term limits. Requirement of national con- instant Requirement of National Instant Criminal Background Check System to notify U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement and relevant state and local law enforcement whenever a person illegally in the U.S. attempts to receive a firearm. By the way, on the term limits thing, that's going to require a constitutional amendment, I believe. So just FYI, they may vote on it, but it's going to require the Constitution to be amended, I believe. Prohibition of taxpayer-funded abortions. Prohibition of healthcare workers from failing to provide proper care in the case of child who survives an abortion or attempted abortion. Formation of new committees. Establish a select committee on strategic competition between the U.S. and Chinese Communist Party. Establish, establish a select subcommittee to investigate the weaponization of the federal government. That is the one I am most excited about. Establishes a select subcommittee to investigate the COVID pandemic. It's not a bad start. It's pretty good. Now, some of these things we've heard before. Some of these things we've been promised before and they weren't delivered on. So not not just like I said, don't get your hopes up on some things. This is I'm not going to get my hopes up that we're going to get every single thing on here. But I want them to try. I sure want them to try. And if they don't, if McCarthy does anything to block any of this or getting in the way of it, and it goes to the point where a member thinks that he is actually breaking his promises, breaking the agreement they made, they can start a motion to vacate. 
This is the leash that McCarthy's going to be on, and it's tight. This is how it's going to work. A motion to vacate the chair is a procedure rank-and-file lawmakers can use to remove the speaker. Current GOP rules allow for a majority of House Republicans to trigger the effort. Now it's going to be just one. McCarthy had previously agreed to drop the threshold to just five. And honestly, guys, I thought five was sufficient. I got to admit, I thought five was sufficient because there's definitely five MAGA Republicans who are willing to to do this. We just saw that happen. But one, even I even I mean, his much less margin for him to uh, offend any of these guys. McCarthy had previously dropped the threshold, blah, 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 blah. How would it work? A member would have to introduce the resolution on the floor. If they introduce it as privileged resolution, it would, it would force the house to take it up at some point. Most likely there wouldn't be a quick up or down vote on removing the speaker. It could be delayed for a certain period of time. And there could be a number of procedural votes as well on whether to refer it to a committee or on, or on whether it is considered appropriate. If it does come to a floor vote, the motion needs a simple majority to pass. Thus, if all members are voted are present and voting, it would need just 218 votes to pass in this Congress. The same number of votes McCarthy needs to become speaker. Of course, at this now he is speaker. Clearly, Democrats are loath to throw McCarthy a lifeline in his bid to become speaker, but it's not clear how they would handle an effort to remove the gavel from his hands. I know how they're going to act. They're going to do the opposite of what Trump wants. So if tr- if there's a motion to vacate the chair and Trump says he's not happy with McCarthy, I bet Democrats would try to save McCarthy's butt. Conversely, or uh, on the opposite side, uh, if Trump backed McCarthy after a motion to vacate, Democrats wouldn't touch him, right? It makes for a unique dynamic that's that we can use in our favor, just like they used last week. If Democrats did vote to remove the speaker, that would give McCarthy a cushion of four votes. He would be removed if five or more Republicans voted with all Democrats. However, the last time this came up in 2015, Democrats signaled they wouldn't go along with a plan to remove Speaker Boehner, largely because they feared a more conservative speaker would emerge. The history, all right, the motion has only been used in American once in American history. In 1910, an unsuccessful push to vacate the chair ultimately led to a series of procedural votes that ended up weakening then-Speaker Joseph Cannon of Illinois. The little-known procedural vote was discussed in GOP circles in the late 1990s when frustration was building with then-Speaker Gingrich of Georgia. But it was revived on Capitol Hill in 2015 by a backbench congressman with a bone to pick with GOP leaders. That congressman was Mark Meadows, Trump's chief of staff. He filed a motion to vacate the chair against Boehner on July 28, 2015, and Boehner ultimately resigned amid the GOP mutiny. That's going to be fresh in McCarthy's mind, guys. McCarthy was there during that time and he's going to remember this mutiny that happened and he's going to, it's going to be fresh in his mind this past week where these Republicans stood up to him 
and made all these demands and got them. So I think McCarthy is going to, I think the odds are McCarthy is going to stick to the agreement he made because he knows these Republicans are very willing to challenge his speakership, his, his speakership, you know? All right. Now, my favorite thing or what I'm most looking forward to, I guess, is this bill for the Select Committee on Weaponization of the Federal Government. Now, this is going to be voted on today or tomorrow. Um, is it? To, I'll, I'll look in just a minute. It's it's going to be this week, but I can't remember if it's today or tomorrow. Um, but anyway, this resolution right here. This is establishing a select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government as a select investigative subcommittee of the committee on the, the judiciary. So that's going to be Jordan's committee. All right. Section 1, Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. Establishment, Composition, Establishment. There is hereby established for the 118th Congress a Select Investigative Subcommittee of the Committee on the Judiciary called the Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. The Select Subcommittee shall be composed of the Chair and Ranking Minority Member of the Committee on the Judiciary. So that's going to be Jim Jordan plus 13 other members, delegates, or the resident commissioner appointed by the speaker, of whom not more than five shall be appointed in consultation with the minority leader. So there's going to be no more than five Democrats on this. The speaker shall designate one member of the select committee as its chair, probably going to be Jordan. Any vacancy in the select subcommittee shall be filled in the same manner as the original appointment. Each member appointed to the select subcommittee shall be treated as though a member of the committee on the judiciary so that means they're going to have access just like the Judiciary Committee does. Now, functions. The select subcommittee is authorized and directed to conduct a full and complete investigation and study and not later than January 2nd, 2025, issue a final report to the House on its findings and such interim reports as it deems necessary. Some folks were upset by this date. This committee is going to investigate, it's going to study, and it's going to make recommendations in its final report. The report is due not later than January 2nd, 2025, and they can issue reports in the interim when they want to. But I saw a lot of commentary that, oh, that's they're going to be two years investigating. That's ridiculous. It's just going to... Go on forever. It doesn't matter. Whatever. There's nothing's going to come out of this. The point I want to make to you guys is that one, they can do this. They can issue this final report before January 2nd, 2025. If they want to. I don't think they really will though. I think they will issue this report right after Trump wins in 2024. A report due January 2nd, 2025 is perfectly timed for a second Trump administration to come in. 
and implement the recommendations that are in this report. So I, in my opinion, the timing of when this is due is perfect. I think it's perfect. Because if you give a report on the weaponization of the federal government to the Biden administration, what do you think they're going to do with it? Do you think they're actually going to do anything with that report? Are they going to take, are they going to make any changes? Hell no. The time to issue it is right at the beginning of the next Trump administration. So they can implement the recommendations that are in the report. I think it makes all the sense in the world. All right. Now, what the investigation is going to be regarding, it's going to be regarding the expansive role of Article II authority vested in the executive branch to collect information on or otherwise investigate citizens of the United States, including ongoing investigations. That's pretty interesting. Uh, what comes to mind immediately are the January 6th prisoners. But I'm sure it'll be more than that. Next thing they're going to investigate. How executive branch agencies work with, obtain information from, and provide information to the private sector, nonprofit entities, or other government agencies to facilitate actions against American citizens. In other words what we've been learning in the Twitter files. That's it right there. And they're supposed to include as part of their investigation, illegal or improper activity, unconstitutional or unethical, unconstitutional or unethical activities that were engaged in by the executive branch or private sector against citizens of the United States. Next, they're to investigate and study how executive branch agencies collect, compile, analyze, use, or disseminate information about citizens of the United States, including any unconstitutional, illegal, or unethical activities committed against citizens of the United States. Next, they're to investigate and study and issue a report on the laws, programs, and activities of the executive branch as they relate to the collection of information on citizens of the United States and the sources and methods used for the collection of that information. Again, the Twitter files, illegal spying on Americans. Good stuff. Also, any other issues related to the violations of civil liberties? of citizens of the United States. That makes me think of voting. That makes me think of protesting. That makes me think of First Amendment rights. Also, any other matter relating to information collected pursuant to the investigation conducted under this paragraph at any time during the 118th Congress. Now, Here's something that I am sure helps explain Adam Schiff uh, being a bit hysterical lately. 
Again, this is any other matter relating to information collected pursuant to the investigation conducted under this paragraph at any time during the 118th Congress. Now, the next section is authority. This is the authority of this select committee, which is going to be under the judiciary. Part A. The select subcommittee may report to the House or any committee of the House from time to time the results of its investigation and studies together with such detailed findings and legislative recommendations as it may deem advisable. So they could at any time jump in and say, we've been studying this and we want to make these recommendations right now, or we want to issue this report to the American public right now, perhaps one that coincides with anything happening with Twitter files. Any markup of legislation shall be held at the full committee level consistent with the clause of Rule 10 of the Rules of the House Representatives. The Rules of the House of Representatives and Rules of the Committee on the Judiciary shall apply to the select subcommittee. The chair of the select subcommittee may, in consultation with a ranking minority member, recognize this and that. The Committee on the Judiciary or the chair may authorize and issue subpoenas to be returned to the select subcommittee. So they're going to be, this select subcommittee has the ability to issue subpoenas. That's good. Now here's my favorite part. This is the shift part. With regard to the full scope of investigative authority, the select subcommittee shall be authorized to receive information available to the permanent select committee on intelligence. That would be Adam Schiff's committee. So this committee on the weaponization of the federal government is going to be able to receive. They've been authorized to receive information that is available to the permanent select committee on intelligence, consistent with congressional reporting requirements for intelligence and intelligence related activities. And any such information received shall be subject to the terms and conditions applicable under clause 11 and rule 10. This This addition right here I read was added in on Friday night. They didn't, they, they held this back until Friday night, the final version of this right before they confirmed McCarthy. So as not to tip off the Democrats. And that's right. Rattler Gator Schiff knows they're going to bring the pain. The Twitter files are pointing directly to the permanent select committee on intelligence being involved with Twitter censoring and removing people, even sending staff members for congressmen who are on the permanent select committee of intelligence to personally visit Twitter headquarters and advise them and repeatedly contacting them to get them to ban certain people and censor and take down posts. That's illegal. And This committee, the select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government, if they, if the house votes to confirm this resolution, which I believe they will, is going to be authorized to get access to everything the permanent select committee on intelligence has access to. And they're going to investigate these bastards. It's amazing. This is amazing. This is absolutely amazing. Twitter files rolling out, revealing all this stuff, and weeks later we have the 118th Congress is going to take up this resolution. Now, 
I don't expect indictments out of this committee. It's very rare that a investigation that's happening in the house leads to indictments. Um, you know, I'm not, not think I'm not thinking that Jim Jordan's going to go and arrest people. (laughs) So, uh, but that's okay because they can investigate them and they can, they can gather evidence. And then when the Trump administration comes back in 2025, they can give them that evidence. They can also make referrals to DOJ who may or may not take them up. And they can also do a ton of damage to the people who engaged in this illegal activity and force them to resign in embarrassment. Um, There's like I've me and Bernie bright have talked about for a couple weeks now. Um, We're in the exposure disclosure phase. There is justice happening here and there. There is swamp draining happening here and there. It's been happening for years. And I love to point it out to you guys. But the exposure and disclosure has to happen along with it or else people don't understand what it means. You know, if there was an indictment for some staff, if if tomorrow some staffers for Adam Schiff got indicted for their communications with Twitter and recommending the censoring of Americans or removal of American citizens from Twitter based on their political beliefs and their political speech. We would all understand why and what that meant and why it was important and all of that. But most Americans wouldn't even pay attention to it happening. And they wouldn't understand if they knew it was happening, they wouldn't understand the gravity of it. Right. We got to We got to we got to build them up. We got to inform them so they understand why this is happening, why it's important and why it can never happen again. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. I want to make sure I can't remember if Kyle chain, I got to say guys, like one of the benefits of developing a good filter, and I'm not saying I have the best filter, but one of the benefits of developing a good filter is you can find some good reporting from people on the left and you can glean from it what is actually good in their reporting and you can filter out what's bad, what's biased, what's useless, what's their commentary, you know? And like um, Kyle Cheney was reporting on this, uh, this committee right here. Okay, yeah, he just said the vote is next week. Let me grab this. They can review any executive branch agency. Remember, the executive branch includes the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security, the DOJ. The executive branch is huge. And they have the power to review, to investigate, and study all of it and issue reports and recommendations on all of it. And to subpoena people. They can they can subpoena Mayorkas. They can subpoena Garland. They can subpoena whoever they want. Ray, whatever. Um What's this metadata one? It appears some of these changes may have been part of the ongoing investigation negotiation that occurred to get Speaker McCarthy the gavel. The metadata on the updated document shows it was last mo- modified at 5.40 p.m. on Friday. 
And then this next tweet that he shared from Jordan Carney, who is a political reporter for Congress, said, here's some extra context on this resolution. There was a bit of an 11th hour push to get this moved out from under judiciary, making it a select committee instead of a select subcommittee, which didn't ultimately happen. Um, doesn't mean it won't happen, um, but I don't know that it. I can see it both ways, but I don't rem, I don't mind uh, Jim Jordan it coming out of his committee. And uh, I think that might be the best place for it anyway. So really good stuff, guys, man. I'm so, I'm so giddy about everything that happened last week. Like the sim, the simulation just continues to deliver. <laughs> like this, the simulation is awesome. Trump continues to deliver, doesn't he? I do not remember why I bookmarked this post, but let's go ahead and grab it. <laughs> um, oh, it's been deleted. Oh, no. Well, I grabbed it for some reason. I don't remember what it was, but they deleted it. I wonder why. Um, okay. Well, I know what I didn't um, or what I there's something else I want. I, I grabbed that I wanted to show you guys. And now is a good time for me to play it. Uh, just a moment, just a moment. Here we go. I'm going to play this clip for you guys, and I'm going to take just a short break to get another beverage. Um, and we'll continue with the show a little longer. This is a clip from Friday night, me and John and Chris chatting uh, during the confirmation process. Let me make sure this is unmuted. This pain will be useful to you. This, this pain will be useful to you. Very interesting. Well, like I like it. that. Uh, the meerkat says, if Trump caught them all, as we've heard, maybe he knows enough to control Kevin McCarthy. Maybe we can only beat the cabal by playing their game and taste their own medicine. Can't ignore that cue post. You can't ignore a cue post, man. And people in the chat, you know, some people, whenever you talk about it, they just freak out. And it's got this similarity with devolution in that the people who are the angriest at it haven't ever really tried to figure out what it is. And uh, if you try to figure out what it is and you understand, you just look at it as information among other information. It's not there to hurt you. You're not going to just become some uh, lunatic by looking at information on the Internet at the very, very, very minimum. If you were to read the first 50 Q posts, you would see uh, topic after topic after topic after topic that relates to our politics and to the corruption in our politics. And you could simply learn about every one of those topics totally separate from anything having to do with Q. And you would be far, far more informed about politics and what's happening in the world right now than you are right now. So for that reason alone, they matter. The Q posts exist, okay? No matter what, they exist. They're out there. People know about them. There are millions and millions of Q followers in the world. That might be the most significant information phenomenon in the history of man. You cannot just ignore it. 
You don't have to believe anything. You don't have to think anything weird. You don't have to pay attention to decodes. You don't have to worry about predictions. It's information among other information. If you want to be a smarter person, you don't think, oh, this thing that 30 million people in the world are tuned into, or maybe 10 times that, right? You don't just sit there and think, oh, that's something I shouldn't bother finding out for myself. It's it's honestly so ignorant for people to not even look into it and then still talk <laughs> shit. I feel like it's you're yelling so at me a little bit because I have. Oh, no, no, no. And again, I, people treat devolution the same way. And let me say one more thing before I finish this rant, okay? I look at devolution and Q both as uh, pieces of a much, much larger larger puzzle, right? We have this map of reality and it's broken up into all these little puzzle, puzzle pieces. And no matter what, you're never going to have all the pieces. Maybe you get 40% or 60%. People who are on Instagram and TikTok all day and watching the mainstream news, they have like five puzzle pieces out of 100,000, right? So what you're being given in these different uh, ways of, of passing this information along, you're being given extra puzzle pieces that help you figure out how to interpret the, war, the world in a holistic way, okay? You're never going to get all the way there. If these things help you get closer to that, then they are useful and you should not ignore them. In fact, you ignore them at your own peril. Two, two things. First of all, I would argue that the people who only have five puzzle pieces have puzzle pieces to a completely different puzzle. It's a completely like false reality. Yes, exactly. Uh, Fair, yeah. Yeah. Um, second with, uh, you know, I, I haven't read through the Q drops because I've wanted to remain unbiased. I don't know. I still don't know if I'm going to write more to my series or not, but it's like the Q, the Q drops it's objectively objectively you can't deny the impact it's had and the timing of it like there's no doubt that it's it's part of a it's a it's a white hat psyop it's a truth psyop like it's a good psyop it, it's there, there's no reason not to read through if i felt like i was fully done with my series and i knew i was confident i was done i would read through the drops myself because there's no i mean especially what came out tonight like the, kevin mccarthy read it freaking q drop that's the first one isn't it it's not the first one, but it's one of the most important ones. And, Plus and this, the Q like proof this, one. this one right here is this is absolutely amazing. This is astounding. This is one of the most massive Q Q proofs that I can recall right now. Yes. And it's not even uh, the, close to being the only one tonight. No. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we <laughs> awesome rant from Chris Paul. And he's absolutely right. It's just information. It's just information. Make of it, make of it what you will. Um, but you can't deny that it exists and there's some sort of significance to it. And you can't deny that there's something about it that is connected to Trump and it keeps coming up over and over again. And, it pointed us to things that we didn't know were going on. It pointed us in the direction of information so that people would dig into it more. And there's, there's merit to it. There's so much merit to it. And I'm not, I, I, um, I don't want everybody to become a Q fan and like get into Q and the drops. But I do have this, I do have kind of a belief here that eventually almost everybody is going to be a fan of it. 
in the way that people look back at operations in other like military campaigns and look back at um, things that happened in history and are a fan of studying that and are, are impressed by it. I don't think that everybody will ever be um, a Q fan or, or whatnot, however you want to describe it. But I do think at some point, almost everybody is going to appreciate it. Like in the fullness of time, they're going to look back and they're going to appreciate what it was and what it did. And my friend Burning Bright wrote this incredible piece called We Are Q. And I think it's pretty awesome. And I think I have just enough time left in the show to read it to you. We are Q, the past, present, and future of the Great Awakening. And by the way, what I was referencing, what he was referencing there with the Durham boat is that if you didn't stay up late enough last on Friday night to listen to Kevin McCarthy's speech after he was confirmed as speaker, there's a segment of that speech where he talked about Washington crossing the Delaware and that painting that is in the drops. And he goes into detail about the significance of each person in um, each person in that boat and what that painting meant, who the, who the painter was and the whole, I was listening to it and the whole time I was thinking, Oh man, this is, he's referencing a Q drop right after we just got this huge Q proof on his confirmation. And then he goes on to talk about an, a painting that is very much associated with Q and Anons. And he talked about it brilliantly. I was so impressed with that part of his speech. I went back and watched it again the next day. And I, I, I couldn't believe I was watching Kevin McCarthy speak to the history of that painting. Um, seriously good. All right. This piece from burning bright. We are Q the past, present and future of the great awakening. A damn good psyop. This is how one of the most respected figures and for good reason in the MAGA and America first movements referred to the Q operation on a recent appearance on a popular show. He's talking about the Michael Flynn appearance recently. It was a provocative statement, one delivered with intensity and seeming heart by General Michael T. Flynn. Here, let me go ahead. I'll grab the clip. Let's play the clip. Give me just a minute. Wanted to, I wanted to, to dive into uh, fifth-generation warfare as kind of the, the theme, and I have some specific questions for you based upon that, like... Some pertain to the Chinese Communist Party, some pertaining to the, the globalists and you know that whole arrangement. Um, and then I think it'd be mm-hmm. good to talk about uh, just different psychological operations, but then have a segment about QAnon where I can just ask you very, you know, kind of simple questions about it. Because I think that there's people that still... Like they'll they'll watch an interview with you where you say, "Look, this is this is don't fall for it," and they're like, "Oh, it's all optics, you know." And of course, he's not going to tell us that it's, you know. So I want to try to just create clarity for people. Like, I, know- I mean, Seth, is your audience that stupid though? I mean, are they st- 
Are people that stupid? I mean, look at what's happening in the House of Representatives today. I mean, this is historic. We yeah. have the first time in over 100 years we have not been able to choose a Speaker of the House. If there's a goddamn plan that QAnon has, they better get it up and operating because, you know, I mean, I, again, I, I just, I'm not even sure I want to talk about it. I, I don't want to talk about it, actually, because I just think I'm, I'm that irritated by people still believing in this bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd say that I think that a lot of people, they don't, there's, you have, you have, like, I mean, again, again, Seth, I, I, Seth, I like you. I like you. I like you. And, but I'm going to tell you, if you have, if you have an audience that believes in this stuff, then, then you have done something with your audience that, that, you know, allows a gullibility to exist that we don't need in this country right now. This country is on the, is on the verge of, of becoming a communist nation or a fascist nation if Klaus Schwab has his way. Yeah. I mean, there's no plan. There, I, I don't know what, you know, QAnon, Q, whatever the hell it is. I, it's, it's a damn good, it's a damn good psyop. That's what it is. And it's, and it's been directed against the American people and everybody's Q. I mean, everybody's Q. If you're, if you're, uh, if you're not on the right side of the, of the left wing, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, really, I, I, I get irritated talking about it because it's a it's a waste of my time yeah i mean i i, I agree with you um i'd probably say 95 percent. it was a provocative statement one delivered with intensity and seeming heart by general michael t flynn and one that drew the attention of many in the anon and truth community that said i would posit to you from the outset today that i think it drew the wrong kind of attention and that it was many in this community rather than the general himself a man more well-versed on the ways of fifth-generation warfare than most, who seemed to be missing the forest for the trees. Before I sat down to write this piece, an interesting and true thought occurred to me. I don't write about the QOP very often. It's funny because I am what you might call a Q follower, having read all of the drops as they came out or shortly thereafter, from October 27th, 2017, to the very rare cases where they continue to find their way onto the chans to this day. While I approached the operation, the MAGA-infused cultural movement, with healthy skepticism at first, it didn't take long for me to be about as firmly bought into what the anonymous account and its cagey trip codes were selling regarding the exposure of the decentralized criminal empire that put the most infamous crime organizations of all time to shame as you could be. And I would guess I'm not alone in this community. Many of us found Q early. Others found Q late. Rather, as I rather, as I will discuss a bit later on, Q found us. I mention Q in my writing quite often, referring to the operation as the most influential information dissemination campaign in modern history perhaps rivaling any in human history, given the ubiquitous and lightning speed nature of the transfer of information these days. I often draw comparisons between current events, from the political to the cultural to the criminal, in direct reference to the truths discovered, or at least brought to light, in the drops. And yet, I do not and have not written about the QOP in great detail around these parts. I suppose a great part of the reason for that is an assumption, and perhaps a faulty one, that most reading these words, following my work and engaging with these theories and analysis I put out into the digital ether, are familiar with the op, perhaps more so than I am. 
That said, I thought the journal's comments, more so the reaction to those comments, warranted a slight detour from my planned analysis of ongoing sociopolitical events to give you a peek into my views on the QOP, past, present, and future. And since I'm feeling more direct than lyrical today, I'll cut right to the chase and tell you in no uncertain terms that General Michael T. Flynn is absolutely right in describing Q as a damn good psyop. No matter the real intent of his words, which I will not pretend to know, and will even take at face value for the purpose of this analysis. Now, while many of you are likely nodding in agreement, there are likely some shaking their heads in admonishment or disbelief. A precious few may even have just unsubscribed from this newsletter. And yet, as my good friend and co-host Just Human often advises, understanding is greater than reacting. This truism holds true when it comes to most topics in the truth community, and perhaps none more so than the Q-op itself. That said, while I will not pretend to know what Flynn meant by his words, I can tell you with confidence that I agree with them as spoken, even if my own cognitive filter views them from the perspective of an intellectual, logical, and yes, even spiritual certainty that the Q operation, the Q post, and the operators, civilian and military, behind the most influential digital movement of all time, have engineered the most powerful and the most positive and necessary counter-psyop ever deployed. Just as a Tomahawk missile is a tool of kinetic war, one that can be launched or deployed by either side on a battlefield, so too is a PSYOP a tool of psychological warfare, the most ubiquitous and far-reaching form of war in the modern age, where information is both a means of exerting control and of freeing one from it. Flynn himself knows all too well, perhaps better than most, the complexities involved in 5th Gen Warfare a style of modern war that relies on information dissemination, control, communications, and obfuscation as its core tenets, no matter who's in the driver's seat of any particular deployment. As the general himself says, there have been few deployments that have embodied those core tenets with the effect and power of the Q-op. As I often say, as I attempt to parse the various turnings of the most complex war ever waged, we are in a war of stories. And we are in a war both for and against the collective mind of American, of world, society. I repeat that seemingly simple claim so regularly, in fact, that I would guess a good number of my readers skip right over the first part of it. We are in a war for the collective mind. For understandable reasons, many in this community tend to focus on the deep state, the cabal, the powers that would be, or, my personal term for them, the system of systems. And for good reason. These are the dark powers that have subverted, infiltrated, and corrupted virtually every system, position, and sphere of influence in modern society through nefarious clandestine and criminal means. In short, they deserve our focus and attention, if only so we can identify them before rooting them out, burning them out, and ensuring that their like never wields such power over the collective humanity again. That said, in keeping with our theme of forest and trees, this morning, I would suggest that our drive, righteous focus, and even the cynicism that can result from their marriage sometimes binds us to the good truths that have been rendered for us in the fog of fifth-generation warfare. We have people fighting for that collective mind, 
for us as well. From Donald Trump to General Michael T. Flynn himself, your favorite commentators and political pit bulls to the combatant commanders of the U.S. military, the thought leaders of the to the inspirations, and the and then perhaps most of all, if only on account of their sheer number, quality, and tenacity, the Anons, you, and I. Brothers and sisters who have plowed the waves of this war ages before our sleeping fellows know it's been waged. It is a thankless job because it's not a job. For most of us, it is a way of life. We engage in the information war, the mind war, or even the soul war, as some call it, because we have been called to do so. And while that calling ranges from an inner voice or pull to some something more direct and religious for others, what the QOP did is to collect that called collective to rally under a single banner and to forge it into the most powerful decentralized intelligence force ever assembled. One of the most frequent dualities I examine at Burning Bright is the relationship between what I refer to as actual events and potential events. While actual events refer to those that are verifiable deployments of kinetic media or political modes, For example, that an anonymous account began posting encrypted decodes on an anonymous image board six years ago. Potential events refer to the narratives, stories, and sociopolitical pushes that either spin out or spin out of or provoke said actual events in the first place. When engaging with an examination of the QOP and all that it entails, it is virtually impossible for us to know with certainty, true certainty, the actual of the event of the operation. That is, whether or not said anonymous account is actually under the control and direction of a group of high-level patriots working within and without our corrupted government to return power back to us, the American people. That said, as any who have been following my work for any length of time are used to me arguing, I believe that potential-slash-narrative events not only have the potential to be power- be more powerful and affecting than actual events, but that they almost always are in modern fifth-generation warfare. Therefore, when I engage with the unknown, as we all do, I often find that readings of the actual are not only frustrating, but often, often meaningless, since they can seldom be known. That said, the potential events and narratives to spill out of actual events, operations and deployments by all sides on the Game Theory Game Board, or to provoke them, can be examined through the net effects they visit on the collective mind we are trying to free and to save in this war. So then, if we can't dig too far into the actual, let's look at the potential of the QOP, namely the effects it has visited upon the collective mind of society, and more specifically on this community. And if there is one major misconception about the QOP, it is that the OP created Anons, or gave life to the Anon movement. Far from it. As I suggested earlier, Anons have always existed. From the age of pen and quill, when the founding fathers wrote under pen names to avoid discovery by the dark empire they wished to overthrow, to the digital age, where the term became ubiquitous with the rise of anonymous forums— Image boards were the dregs and the outcast of the Matrix gathered, some with nefarious minds, but most simply lost, often in the search for truth. 
Anons have always existed. Searchers have always existed. Truthers have always existed. Because to be human is to be inherently coded with a love for, a desire for the truth. Even if that gift or curse can be taken from us or hidden from us through years, even decades of subversion and obfuscation. The Q-op and the Q-drops did not create the truth community, nor the Anons that made it up. It didn't provide answers. It did something much more powerful and effective. It asked questions. The right questions and at the right time. In so doing, the Q-op did exactly what it was designed to do. It activated tens of thousands of nodes and organized or provided a framework and direction to the most powerful decentralized citizen intelligence network of all time. And there's no putting that genie back in the bottle. Fast forward six years and that decentralized collective is no longer cowed, intimidated, overwhelmed, or demoralized by rote and routine narrative deployments by the enemy's media industrial complex. We are able to dissect and counter their machine in real time due to a hive mind that has developed an ever-evolving understanding of micro and macro with regards to politics, cultural subversion, Overton windows, psychological operations, and even the complexities of economic, social, and kinetic warfare. While the many individual minds in this community were capable of parsing pieces of the vast interconnected macro that is the system of systems... The Q-Op was instrumental in focusing this ability, collecting it, and yes, even aiming it, unifying a vast, interconnected, but ultimately siloed and combative network of high IQ, heterodox thinkers. Q organized anons not based on hierarchy or even ability, but in purpose. This is how we were unified. Not for each other, not at first, but against them. And while the painful, necessary exposure of those dark truths regarding the deep state cabal, the globalist system of systems, were difficult for many of us to accept at first, digging in the dark ultimately led to the most powerful gift the Q-op gave us. Rather, that it gave me. Hope. Hope that not only was the fight our fight, not futile but that we actually had a chance to win. A damn good chance at that. This is what the Anons, what humanity, has been missing, and for generations. Americans not only lost our way in terms of our systems, but in terms of our hearts, in terms of our hopes. Hope that we could could not only build a better future, but a lasting one. Hope that not only we could, could we find those who would seek to control us, to subjugate us, and yes, to harm our children, but hope that we could expose them, and in so doing, to prime them for justice in the corporeal realm that pales in comparison to what they might face after they leave it. This is my response to oft-repeated and rarely defended arguments from the Q-op somehow demotivated anons, or that it provoked inaction or passivity. Nothing could be further from the truth, and most of you reading these words can attest to that much, if nothing else. 
many of the brightest minds in the growing decentralized independent media, Anons and citizen journalists, America First politicians and thought leaders were motivated by this movement, either directly or indirectly. This is where we stand now. We were largely trained by engagement with the Q-Op to learn to parse and synthesize the information war in real time. Map enemy networks and undercut narratives while deploying counter narratives. And we have become so adept at it that we are doing it almost by reflex. The enemy has noticed this, and their panic is palpable, and for good reason. What we now have is a beautiful and unstoppable decentralized hive mind of citizen intelligence working 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, to combat the enemy matrix, while waking up our fellows and ultimately leading them into a new restoration of American idealism, freedom, and sovereignty. And you know what? Patriots fighting both in and behind the halls of power didn't even need us to root out this corruption, nor to expose the system of systems. Not yet, anyway. But that time is coming. The Q-Op wasn't disclosure. It was training. Training for when we're needed most. We are the information shock troopers. We are those who forged ahead, those who know the beast face. We know its movements. We know its habits and its haunts. We know its strengths and its weaknesses. We know its fears. We know this because we have been shown it, because we have been guided so that when the beast is brought down and the pillars of its empire are crumbling, we can shepherd those who are lost into the world that will come. Their world will be brought down by the truth. Ours will be built by it and of it. I often say that truth is a one-way filter. For many, Q cracked the door open. We kicked it down. And there's no going back. Not for us, and certainly not for them. So, as I round into ending form on this unplanned detour into the op that started it all for many in this community, I would say to the most ardent Q followers and its skeptics alike, that Q did exactly what it was meant to do. If it was a white hat plan, it was more successful than any unifying disclosure operation ever deployed. If it was a black hat plan, then it backfired spectacularly. If it was a joke, a LARP or a long con, then it landed like a cosmic miracle. The Q-Op, the Q-Movement, and the Great Awakening that is ubiquitous with it were not created by figures in the shadows. It tapped into something that was already there, prodding a beast of the American spirit, of the American soul that has laid dormant for too long, that has paced in its cage like the tiger whose likeness I chose to take on when I created this publication and this alternative identity that I now wear proudly like a second skin. Burning Bright made a spelling mistake there. Haha, I'm going to tell him all about it in a DM. Q may never come back because Q may never need to come back. But what Q did will echo throughout history because this movement will. MAGA, America First, The Great Awakening. They are all cups being filled from the same spirit of collective sovereignty 
goodwill and codified morality, unified in common purpose and whose momentum cannot be stopped because the minds behind it and the minds within it cannot be broken. This nation will be rebuilt in the image its people wish it to be rebuilt in because the Q-op reminded us of one innate truth that rests at the heart of humanity. As long as there exists one mind that chooses to reflect the light that gave birth to it, one mind can wake another. One mind can be the pebble that begins an avalanche. You are what matters most. You always were. Without you collectively, there would have been no other way to bypass their control. They weren't about to repeat the mistakes of 2016. You are what matters most. United, not divided. You awake, thinking for yourself, is their greatest fear. Welcome to the digital battlefield. Where we go one, we go all. Q. Q was not the end of anything, nor was it the beginning. It arrived, much like Gandalf himself, precisely when it needed to, providing a needed spark for so many who had lost hope against such a dark, subversive, and all-pervading enemy. Throughout the last several years, patriots, the world over, have been tested. Both those fighting on our behalf in or behind the halls of power and those fighting on the information battlefield the digital age has conjured. We have struggled, stumbled, and even fallen. We have been right about some things and wrong about many others. And yet, the movement that makes up America first, the Great Awakening, and yes, even Q lives on, stronger than ever, stronger with each passing day. So then, we reach the end point, the convergence between actual and potential, real and unreal, truth and fiction, and we're left in the same place we started in, no matter how each of us got here. This nation, this world, has been subverted by an ancient enemy whose form has taken on the system of systems, and that system must be brought down, first by exposure, then by disclosure, and eventually through justice. That is the truth. That is the mission. That is the end game. Q didn't teach us. Q made us remember. Remember ourselves and our purpose, along with something else, that there is good in this world and that it's worth fighting for. And unfortunately for them, No matter how the awakening process began for each of us and all of us, we will not stop until we see it done. Because nothing can stop what is coming. So, what is Q? A damn good PSYOP. Nothing more, and certainly nothing less. Until next time, stay positive, stay based, and most importantly, stay bright. That was We Are Q 
from my good friend, Burning Bright. So please subscribe to him at burningbright.substack.com. Golly, I'm fighting back tears reading that. Damn it, Burning Bright, you hit me in the feels with that one. All right, fam, that is, that is my show for today. And, uh, if you want to support the show, which y'all support me so much, I really appreciate it guys. Uh, hit that plus button or hit the thumbs up over on rumble. That helps me out a lot in the, uh, in the algorithm over there. Leave a comment on the show that helps me out. If you want to do more than that, you can go to bensonhoneyfarms.com and use rep code just human. You can go to my merch store, Red White Bourbon 45, and buy merch. You can buy me a coffee.com slash justhuman, justhuman.substack.com. All of those links are in the description of the show over on Rumble, or you can just go to my link tree on any of my social medias. Um, I'm becoming more and more active on Twitter. You can find me there at, at realjusthuman. Um, give me a follow. Get into my mentions over there you know, and leave comments. I do my best to uh, try and I'm trying to interact on Twitter more and more as I feel a bit, you know, safer about Twitter. I'm not posting everything on Twitter that I post on Telegram and True Social, but um, I'm moving more that way as I feel more comfortable that I'm not going to get, you know, suspended. Then I'm, I'm putting more and more of my content on Twitter. So that is the battlefield. That is the battlefield. And join me there. So, guys, I pray you have an awesome Monday. Last week was phenomenal. This week is going to be great. God bless each and every one of you. Remember, we're not going to win every battle, but we are going to win this war. Y'all have a great one. I'll see you on Wednesday, 9.30 a.m. Play, play. Play my song. Okay. I just did. I just teed up the ending of this show so well. Come on, Bandcamp. Play this song. There we go. (laughs) I had to be. It had to be a super pro ending after that. It had to be. Go back to super pro. Y'all have a great one. See ya.